intro clip now that's just a bunch of old videos that i went back and took the sound off of on my phone and that's me playing the banjo my daughter rebecca on the bass and the kids in the boat picking up jugs and catching frogs and jumping off a pier stuff like that but i thought it would be some neat audio just let me know what you think about it and here we go with the show ladies and gentlemen here we are once again growing up with papa and I've got a super special, future famous, super duper Big John Cade Posey in the house. Say hey, what's up, John? What's up? So we're going to cover six days at the camp. After youth camps, John Cade got to go to senior camp first, right, John? Yes, sir. And he had a birthday while he was at senior camp, Camp Apex. Ten years old, in the double digits. And uh, we're going to get his daddy on here and talk about youth camps. So there he was. He stayed all week at senior camp while me and his mama was in California getting chased by bears. We really did have a bear in the camp up there. I said, boy, John Cade would like this. We'd bait him up and try to catch him or something. Yep. And uh, then he, we came home. We stayed together at junior camp. And we slipped out of there on a Thursday. Thursday. That's right. I had to work Friday, but he got to stay with my mom. And his mom and daddy went straight to New Bethel camp meeting. Him, them, and Aaliyah, and Aaliyah sung the house down. We was listening live on HGR Holy Ghost Radio. Listen to her live, and she did. She smoked it down. My goodness, everybody's jaw. We heard people's jaw dropping over the Holy Ghost Radio. So then they came straight back there. We wanted to go, but we had just, I mean, we had to spend some time getting all these clothes washed and all that. So let's talk about our days at the camp. We finally got to spend a little time down at the camp. We went frogging one night. Let's talk about that first, John. We didn't catch none. (laughs) He jumped straight into it. But we did see one that was big as a bulldog looked like. Yep. So we had to borrow Uncle Chris's light because we left ours at home. Slipped out there. We had Mama on the boat. Mama, was she running a light or anything? Was she? When she, we got up to the frog, she Oh, yeah. She, she was a backup light man or woman. So what you do at night, you got to wait till dark. We got out there after 9 o'clock. Ease down that bive. With that 40 horse and that wide bottom aluminum boat. Crickets was a hollering. No, it wasn't crickets. Frogs was a hollering. Mosquitoes was swarming. (laughs) 
along the bank and you shine that bank and you look for these bullfrogs that'll just be perched up there like they're just waiting for you to come catch them but right now is not a good time because the water's up i mean actually not up it's at regular pool stage which is a normal level but every september they'll drop it down a couple feet and it just leaves the bare bank of just sandy bank and it's a whole lot easier to see them and catch them after they do that Yep, stump, my mom. My mom remembers this place. Am I going too fast, John? Is that a frog? No. It's going to be hard to see with this water up. Is that one? That's a, that's a can, my mom. Well, we wanted to try it. So here we go, easing down the bayou. We didn't go probably a quarter mile. We saw old big boy. Did you see him first, John? Or? I, yeah, I he, spotted him. Yeah, he was the one running the light. And so I eased that motor over to him. And as long as you keep the light in their eyes, they'll sit there. I guess you could walk up there and get on them and ride them like a bucking bull or something. They just sit there. So you ease that boat up to him, and then just reach in there and catch him. There's frog. Oh, frog, frog. Oh, that's a good one. Come on, you want to hold the light for him? Yeah. Is he decent size? All right, John, don't let him get away. Got your eye on him? Some people use frog gigs, which they make a couple different kind. One of them kind of clamps down on them, and another kind is got pokers. It'll poke through their skin and catch them. Or you can use a twenty-two. Or you can use a twenty-two, <laughs> which happens around here at night sometimes on our own private pond. John Cade and Isaac busted a couple one night, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Brought them back up here. My mom fried frog legs. John started frying them. She just kind of come in there and took over because she seen the flour going everywhere and grease <laughs> everywhere. So she took over the cooking, cooked him some frog legs. It was pretty good. I think mm-hmm. I got a nibble. Here it was, that bullfrog on the bank, but it was not the ideal perfect position. Tell us why, John. It was under a limb. Yeah, this limb come out, and it was just perfectly sideways, like he was sitting under under a cage, under a little house. He was just perched up in his little spot. So John eased up there with that big limb right over that frog, kept a light in his eyes. My mom was honed in on him. John's arm shot out from under there like a rattlesnake striking. And I lost, you know, when the bow of that boat goes over the top of him, he's hanging off the front. I can't see what's going on. And I'm saying, would you get him, John? Did you get him? Did you get him? And he's a flouncing around up there, and then he tries to shoot to another spot. He's in that hole. And then he come up with his mouth 
turned down in a frown and empty handed. I missed him. <laughs> he missed him. Get away. Yeah, I missed him. Was he too far from him? No, he just was up under limb. Oh, he's up under limb. Is it pretty big? I could have got him if that limb would have been there. Yeah, it's a pretty big one. Yeah, he was hiding under that big old limb. Yeah, I could have got it. Man, y'all, you look like a rattlesnake striking that thing. Oh, good. We forgot something to put it over here. He had, he had we a drumstick. Like, what a man? Huh? We got something to put a man? Uh, who makes him knock him out? He had drumsticks like a chicken leg, didn't he? Man. Um, I can't believe I missed him. He looked like a bulldog sitting up there. sound that means we fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit because there's more in there than just horse feed <laughs> now you may ask yourself today why does that bullfrog sit there on the bank and let us shine a spotlight in his eyes and be still when he has the ability to jump in the water and swim away to safety but he don't he just sits there until we slip up there in the boat and catch him with our hands well, may I submit to you today that if he picked up his short little front legs and covered his eyeballs with his small little hands, that he'd fall on his face in the mud. Now, really, I don't know. I guess that's the way God made him. I ain't got enough sense. But today, I want to talk about hiding your face, and I want to talk about an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah who recorded visions and prophecies of several future events. And one particular event that he penned was the crucifixion of Jesus in chapter 53. The whole chapter foretells the details of the awful torture that our Savior suffered. And verse 3 holds a specific statement that has struck a humbling revelation to me. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So it's apparent that the reason that the writer Isaiah had hid his face from the bludgeoned Savior is because he could not stand to look at him for the terrible state that he was in. The man Christ Jesus had placed himself in a place that was unbearable to look at. The creator of the universe had been brutally beaten beyond recognition, demoralized, dejected, broken, and brought down to the lowest possible state of humiliation and pain. Furthermore, every vile and putrid sin of every person who had ever lived was stacked on top of him as the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, changing his glorious countenance to no form nor comeliness. There was no beauty that we should desire him. No longer was he esteemed, but despised and rejected of men. No wonder the writer could not bear to watch this gruesome act. Jesus had willingly went to the lowest possible place that he could go, and it was impossible to look upon him. 
But that's not the only face-hiding vision that Isaiah saw of the Lord God Almighty. But before we look at that vision, let's discuss a concept that reverberates throughout the entire Word of God. There's a common theme that was taught by Jesus himself about self-abasement. The kingdom of God is like this. The last will be first. The lowly will be exalted. The weak will be strong. To succeed in heavenly things, we must do just the opposite of what our flesh thinks it takes. In God's realm, the revealing of pleasure begins with pain. The servant spirit is what God will use and ultimately exalt. Now let's look at the other vision of the great prophet. The sixth chapter tells of an amazing sight beheld by Isaiah. And notice what verse 2 says. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. So here's another instance where a face is being covered. Why? May I submit that now no one could look upon the Lord because his glory was so strong. The gleaming glory of God is too much for humanity. Moses had to hide his face in the cleft of a rock because of it, and the residual effect still had to be veiled. Paul was blinded by it on the road to Damascus. Because of the lowly position that he took in the first vision that was unbearable to look upon, he now is exalted to the highest position and is unbearable to look upon. Philippians chapter 2 verifies this by saying, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, or because of this, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Because of this, because of the lowly state, that he set himself in, he was exalted to the high state. The gruesome task that bore no glory has brought illuminating majesty. The most majestic became overwhelmingly disgraced, which brought forth unimaginable honor. Every part of Jesus' birth, life, teachings, and death screamed out, Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We hid our faces from him, therefore we will hide our faces from him. But we saw a gator. How, how many more gators? A couple, huh? I think we only seen two gators. Two gators. Mama wouldn't let us look for gators. I don't know what the deal was at. She was like, We're not looking for gators, we just looking for frogs. <laughs> Right in here's where that big gator nest was at. Okay, so let's go. Big what? A gator nest. Where that big mama gator was. No, it wasn't. And all them little ones. It was back there. I think she just didn't want to know they were out there. See if you can see alligators, John. Oh. Look up there for alligator head of us. Oh. 
Them dudes will go under before we get to them. Okay, yeah. I hope we... I want to see a big one. Don't just stop right here. Never. But the thing about them gators, if you get within, most of the time, you get within like 50 yards of them, they, they just kind of ease under. But from like way off, you can see their eyes on the water shining. Yep, they look like, it's like reddish. Yep, shining like spotlights. <laughs> to your left. Look up in there. See no eyes? I catch the alligator too, my mom. Alright, let's go on down past these camps. Got a gator, yep, there he is, see? Keep your eye on him, John. Keep your eye on him. Keep your eye on him. Keep your eye on him. Hold on, hold on. So we turn around, come back to camp. Next day, him and his daddy had big plans to throw out some jugs. We had a few jugs made up already. So we tried to find some more and borrow some from somebody that was down there. They couldn't find theirs. How many do we have, John? Sixteen. Sixteen jugs. That's something that's important. You got to know how many you're starting with, so you'll know how many you're picking up. You don't. We leave ended any. up with fifteen. Yeah, we really did lose one, but I mean, we know we lost one. So we're wondering: is it laying on the bottom of that Louie with a big old catfish hooked to it, or what? So they went up to the main lake, the big part of the lake. It's it's a lot wider probably a quarter of a mile wide, and we cast netted some shad. Tristan came down there, and he's pretty good with that cast net, and I eased him up on a school of them. One, one cast, he had, I don't know, probably 50 shad one through. So we had plenty of bait, so they eased up there before dark and threw them out. Oh, and there's something else that they told me they had to have, and I was like, bruh, I've been doing this my whole life, and I don't think it matters. But somebody told Brother Posey, you need weights on them lines. And, and they caught good. <laughs> they wasn't having it any other way. I was like, all right. And most of them did have weights. The one we had had a few, because I think it's something they used before they done it. And I think it did make a big difference. Here's my rule of thumb. 
if I'm fishing a trot line, limb lines, jugs, whatever, if I can catch one fish per 10 sets, I say that's pretty average, pretty good. Well, we only had 16 jugs and caught four good catfish. Five. Five. So that's more than one ever four jugs. And we really didn't fish them right. They just threw them out for dark. We laid up the next morning, went back about mid-morning, and still had several good fish on. But if we'd been staying with them and checking them and running them, we'd had more. And we had old brother Isaac and uh, Braylon, had them in the boat. They we would have caught way more, but Braylon couldn't go at the night. Oh, yeah. Well, they got a good reason. A reason. Braylon's mom and daddy's kind of worried about him being out in the boat at night for a good reason. You want to tell them that story, John? Sure. Um, so this was without Papa. So we was at the lake with um, my Uncle Brady and was in the boat and was coming around this curve and we hit something really hard and we um forgot to unlock the thing or whatever it is. It slung Uncle Brady in the front, and um, he hit his knee and busted it open, and my daddy hit his head. Yeah, at night, in the dark. I think he hit an alligator, actually, because it was like, I don't know what happened, but the motor was uh, was locked down, which is kind of a safety feature. If you go and you, you can unlock the motor, if you hit it, it'll kick it up. But uh, there they was at night. In the middle of the bay, which it wasn't shallow, no snags, and hit something so hard it throwed everybody in the front of the boat. And we went back, and there wasn't nothing there. There wasn't nothing there. So, anyway, Braylon's mom and daddy kind of told him no nighttime boat riding without us. So he wasn't able to go back and run them at night. So he just we had a vote, called a meeting, decided we'd get we'd just wait till the next morning because we didn't want to hurt Braylon's feelings and. Wanted everybody to be happy. We still caught pretty good. Wound up cooking a bunch of fish and eating them. Whoa, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means it's time for hair and a biscuit. That's right. Just a little something you wasn't expecting that we're going to pull out and check out before we go any further. All right, get ready, Boots. Here we go. Hair and a biscuit. Hey, for our hair and a biscuit today, I want to tell about an incident that happened Right out here, about in the same place that I got John Cade and Mama on the boat, in Bayou Louie, at night, the only game warden citation I've ever got in my whole life happened right out here, as far as I can remember. And if I've told this story before on here, I, I don't think I have. I keep a list of what I say and mark it off. But I don't think I've told this one, but it fits right along. And I want to see if you can pick up a lesson out of this. So here's what happened. Me and the boys was out in the boat. It was at dark. We had some jugs out. We had a big Q-beam spotlight. And I think we were looking for frogs too. So anyway, we were out at night. So the rules, the law, the Louisiana Wildlife and Fisheries Law states that if you're navigating a boat at night, you have to have a light a red and green light at the front of your boat. That's navigation lights. That is to protect you and others so at night they'll be able to see you. Now, if your boat is still, you got to have a white light that is higher than anything on your boat. It's at the back of the boat. 
And if it's moving, you got to have those red and green lights that are in the front of the boat. I think I got that right. So I didn't have none of that, but we had a big Q-beam spotlight out there shining around. We felt like we were safe. I knew we were supposed to have them, but I, I've never had any problems out there at night. Well, just so happened, here comes a couple of game wardens slipping up there on us at night. And they let me know that they were actually looking for something else or somebody else, but they was just checking us out. We had our license. We had our life jackets. And so he decided he had to write us a ticket for not having nighttime navigation lights, which I agree. You know, I knew I was supposed to have them, but I didn't feel like I was unsafe since I, we were the only people out there and there was nobody else on the water to run over us. So anyway, I didn't argue. We just took the $50 ticket. But here's what he told me when he got through. Now think about this. Every wildlife law that's ever been made, think about this now, is made for one of two reasons. For the conservation or protection of the wildlife or environment or for the protection of you, yourself, or others. You think about any law you think of, whether it's wearing a hunter's orange to maybe using something that would give you an advantage to catch or kill more things, which depreciates the population of something. You know, everything's got a reason it's going to either protect the wildlife, the environment, or you, or somebody else. So these navigation lights are for our protection. You agree? Me too. So if that's what I got the $50 ticket for, but as soon as he gets the ticket wrote, hands it to me, he says, all right. He said, y'all can keep on fishing the rest of the night. You got your ticket. I thought to myself, well, why did I even get a ticket? If I got a ticket for being unsafe, for being out here and being at risk of being run over because I don't have these little red and green lights on the front of my boat, instead I got this big million candle power spotlight swinging around in the boat. But anyway, if I'm being unsafe because I don't have these navigation lights on, then why is it okay for me to keep finishing the rest of the night until daylight because I've already got the citation. It made absolutely no sense to me. And it shouldn't have been that way. He should have said, you're being unsafe. Here's you a citation for being unsafe. Now, don't get back in this water. Get out of this water until you get safe. Now, that would have been the correct response in my book. So let's back up and apply that to the church. So the reason we obey the rules, the laws of the Bible... The standards of the church is not to keep from getting a spiritual ticket or get in trouble with the pastor or whatever. The reason we are obeying the laws that God set down is to protect ourselves, protect others, protect the kingdom. And when we repent, we don't turn back around and say, well, I've done messed up, so I'm going to stay in sin. No, sir. When we change our ways, we stay changed. And we do what's right according to the word of God. So think about that. The next time you have a slip up and you make a mistake walking with God, think about why was this mistake? Why is it set in order? Why do I have to obey this rule, stay inside this wall? It's going to be for your protection, for your safety, for the betterment of the kingdom of God. And I hope there ain't no preachers and pastors out there that says, 
Well, you've already messed up today. Just keep on till tomorrow. Now, tomorrow you better straighten up. Now, <laughs> don't be like that game board. So that was our week at the camp. Finally got to spend a few days down there. Yep. Done a bunch of jumping off the high pier, swinging off the rope. I built a new platform out to the rope. We had to build a walkway to to be able to get out where you could stand and get the rope. Well, the other one's been there four or five years. It rotted. It was rotten. It was pretty bad, so I went ahead and replaced it. Got a good one now. Yep. Done some tube. No, didn't tube. That's a sore yeah, subject. Definitely did. Um, Saturday. Oh, yeah, what? Saturday. <laughs> Planning on it on the 4th of July, but it wound up being a bad deal. We had, we got a new party barge in the family, but the motor didn't run real good, so Uncle Dusty really didn't want to go back down there and fool with it, and then Uncle Brady had his one boat, and there were too many kids. Yeah, it was just a, we wound up, we wound up going down there and swimming, Found a good sandbar and found about how many mussels you reckon we found, John? Hundred. Oh Lord, at least, and could have got more than that. This was that was so fun. Mm-hmm. We thought about eating them. I've used them for fish bait before, and I've heard of people eating them. They're like big as as uh, oysters. We just dive down and find them in the mud and bring them back up. We had at least a five gallon bucket full. Oh yeah, or more. Or more. Well, we wound up putting them back in their habitat. We'll go, we know we can get them if we want to have a, a oyster grilling, <laughs> a, a, a freshwater oyster grilling. Yep. So there we was. Pretty good time at the camp. All right, John, you ready to get out of this rat hole? Yes, sir. Yes, sir.